Ephesians chapter 2. In 1911, 1911, there was a technology company called Computing Tabulating Recording Company. That's a long word. They called it CTR, not CRT. CTR. And it was founded there in 1911. Now, when CTR was formed through the amalgamation of three other companies, the combining of three other companies, and those company names were three names I've never heard of. Somebody in here may know these, and, uh, but I've never heard of them before. Uh, they're about two years before I was born. The Tabulating Machine Company. The second company was the International Time Recording Company. They recorded time. And the third one was the Computing Scale Company. And in about 1924, uh, that company, those three companies came together and they formed one company. And this one we'll know, IBM. IBM. So IBM was one company that was formed from three other companies who they put together and formed this one company, and they were renamed in 1924. 1924. So there are times when two companies who might have been in competition with, with each other, who might have had kind of two different paths than each other, there's a time when these maybe two companies, or in this case three companies, would, will come together as one company, and they will then take a singular name as a new company, IBM. Okay? And I'm sure there are other examples of this out there in the business world. And uh, I don't have time to uh, look all of those up. But I know, I mean, Best Buy was a little bit of a, not a combination of companies, but it was a, was a change of name because of the change in business model. Uh, even today, Bass Pro, Cabela's, right? Right. It'll eventually be one name here after a while. But um, we see this all the time. And so we're moving on to uh, this section here in chapter 2. It's really interesting. We looked last week, if you remember last week, that we are His workmanship in Christ Jesus. You and I, if you're here today, you've been born again. You're saved. You put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember the day that you did that, and you know that God saved you. The Bible says that you are a new creation. And it says that we are His workmanship. We looked at that word last week. Workmanship meaning the word where we get the word poem from. We are a beautiful poem of God. Listen, what we were and what we are is only something that God could do. It is only something that God could make. We are His workmanship created, it's the Bible's told us here, unto good works. Unto good works. We don't work to be saved. We work because we are saved. We don't work to get there. We are working from there. And because we are now children of the King, we have a heavenly Father. We have a different address. And the business of our Father is not the same business of our old father that was a family we got adopted out of. We have a new business now and we're all a part of that business, all right? And we looked last week that we have a heavenly address and hey, listen, we need to live our address, right? We, we are in Christ Jesus. We are seated in the heavenlies right now and we need to live on this earth like we should live in heaven. Wow, that's quite a thing. Amen. Now, this week though, we are a new creature, creation but this week, that was last week, this week we see a new building. 
And, you know, I struggle at times to, to draw the right analogies of some of this. There's a lot here. There's so much that we could dig into. Uh, it has been said. I have said it. Ephesians is like standing in front of a fire hydrant that's been uh, and trying to get a drink out of the side of that thing, right? It's just, and you, you know, you just don't, you don't stick your face in front of that uh, to get a drink of water. It's hard to do, right? And, uh, and, and so it's, it's, it's like that here in Ephesians. And, and I struggle here to try to get a right picture of what is going on. And the only way, place my mind goes today, which somebody else's may have a better illustration than this to draw your attention to, but my mind goes to the idea of what I started with in the introduction of a business. Two businesses, well, in this case, three companies came together and formed one company, had three different names, got rid of all of those names, chose a new name, and became a singular company in 1924, IBM. And we see here in chapter two, uh, it looks to me as if a picture being drawn here of a businessman who has bought up a couple of companies on the planet and he's brought them together to make one business, one company, one company. And I want to first show you here the two old companies. The two old companies that used to be. Look in our text in verse 11 when Paul says, now look at verse 10. I, I do this constantly, sorry. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. It was always the plan of God for us to walk in the works, in the, in, in, in the, in the works of Jesus Christ. It was always the plan of God that those that came into the family, watch, would live like they're a part of the family, right? Not live like like they're a child of the devil anymore, but they would live like their father is God. It was always his plan. So verse 11, wherefore, remember that ye being in time past, he's talking to this Ephesian church, these Gentile churches he started in the past, Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. And so you have two things going on here that were on planet Earth. You have, I would call them in my own words, two companies maybe. You have Israel, this Jewish business. And then you would have the Gentiles and a Gentile company. And you have two companies going on here on planet Earth. Israel, every company has a position. It's got a purpose. It's, it's got a product that it's trying to produce and put out and to, and to get out into the, in, into the public. And, and Israel originally, really, was originally was to show the world Jehovah God. They were to show the world the God of heaven. And it was through Israel that the world saw the miracles. It was through Israel that the world got the oracles of God, that we got the word of God, the Old Testament. It was through Israel that we saw the land that was given to them in Israel in that promised land. It was through Israel ultimately the, the, the fulfillment of prophecy of Genesis 3.15 that the seed of the woman would, would, would crush the head of the serpent. And we saw this ultimately that it would come through Israel that the Messiah would come and it would come through the lineage of Abraham. It would come through Israel. This was the purpose and the role and the the job of Israel. Just for the sake of today, we'll call it a company. Okay. The second company was this Gentile nation, right? They showed the world their gods. They showed the world their product, which was what? Kings who thought they were gods. 
The nations who ruled with power and might, not, not by, under God, but under their own power and might. A, a nations, a, a business who pointed people to the rulers and pagan made up gods. There are two different companies going on here. One was of God and one was not. Each company had their goal. Each company had their purpose. So if you notice here, it really in our text, this Gentile, what we call company, had zero interaction with this Israelite company. Actually, they're kind of in competition. Right? Can I tell you, Satan's still in competition today? Right? God's not in competition. If you win, what's there to be in competition about? <laughs> right? You're just reeling them in. You're just convicting the world of sin and reeling them in. Satan is still in competition. He's still fighting. He's still going after. But this Gentile company, we'll call it, had zero interaction with the Israelite company. Look at verse 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called, called uncircumcision by which that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. They were separate entities ceremonially, ceremonially, right? They were called uncircumcision. This was a derogatory statement that the Jews would use against Gentiles. You uncircumcised. It was synonymous with being godless. It was something that was uttered by Davis, David when he called, uh, you know, of course, Goliath, this uncircumcised uh, Philistine. It was a derogatory thing. Watch. It was a, it was a distinction of Israel. It was a distinction between Israel and the Gentiles. Right? Two different things going on in the world. And it's a distinction before the, between the two. Look at verse 11 again. There, we see not only was this a ceremonial uh, decision, uh, but, but there's a choice here. A circumcision made by hands. Though they were born Israelites, though they were born of the, of the, of the lineage of Abraham, that process of circumcision that God uh, instituted and commanded for Israel was still a choice. I guess there are some that still did not have to go about and do that. There was a choice involved. But thirdly, in verse 12, look at verse 12 is covenantal. That at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Aliens from the commonwealth. Now I know there's a lot of talk about aliens now. Balloons from China. UFOs, right? UFOs. I'm telling you, it's setting up, isn't it? There is a world that's going to say, wow, I guess the aliens did take all the wackos out of the world. We like aliens now. The balloon came down and took all those crazy Christians out of here. And nope, it was the voice of God. It was, we just went up with him. But I'm telling you, I think they're going to have a lot of, a lot of uh, re, uh, explanations of why we're gone someday. I think they are. But this is the wrong type of alien. This is just a foreigner. Look at this. Aliens from the commonwealth. What is a commonwealth? Well, we know that there are four states in the United States that are called a commonwealth. Did you know that? They're not called a state. Massachusetts is a commonwealth. Pennsylvania is a commonwealth. Texas is not a commonwealth. Virginia is a commonwealth, just in case somebody was wondering. Virginia is a commonwealth. And I was actually a little bit surprised about this. Anybody know who the fourth commonwealth is? Kentucky. Wow, I knew Jim would know that. <laughs> Took my thunder. Kentucky is a 
commonwealth. What on earth is a commonwealth? Well, in our system, in our governmental system, it is really uh, what describes, listen to this, what the U.S. really is, a democratic republic. We're not a democracy by, by design. We're a republic. What does a republic mean? We have laws. What does that mean? It means those at the very top are obedient to the laws just as those at the very bottom are obedient, should be subject to the laws. Now, these commonwealths originally, these are old, what we call old, old states, right? Some of the first ones, obviously, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, Virginia. I don't know how Kentucky got in there. I got thoughts about Kentucky, but they did. They did. And what it is, the Commonwealth is really just a collection of people that have come together, a collection of people governed to come together, governed by laws. And so Israel's called it, here Paul calls them a commonwealth. It's a collection of a family. It's a theocratic. It's a, it, it's a theocratic uh, commonwealth uh, that, is, uh, um, um, that is governed by the laws of God. It's why he calls it a, a, a commonwealth. It is a structure for their civil affairs. It's, it's a group of people governed by law. It is a group of people governed by the law of God. This was Israel. And Paul said they were aliens, the Gentiles. This Gentile company over here was absolute alien to this Israelite company, which he calls a commonwealth. Okay. He says they were... They were, they were um, Aliens, right? That in time past year without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Look at the second one. Strangers from the covenants of promise. What is stranger? Stranger is just another word for a foreigner. Somebody outside of Israel. Not, watch, not of the line and the lineage of Abraham. They were strangers. Strangers to the covenants of promise. What were these covenants? Well, they were covenants applied to Israel. What was the covenant? One of the covenants was land. You're going to get land. What was another covenant? That the Messiah was going to come, right? That the Messiah was going to come. There is other covenants. But the Israel was a nation, was a commonwealth of covenants and promises. And Paul says here, the Gentiles had nothing to do with them. They were foreigners. They weren't of the seed of Abraham. They were born outside of this. Notice what it says here. No Hope, no hope. Now hold on a minute. Because this really brings up a little bit of a contradiction if you follow this line through and, and get away from what's really going on here. No hope would seem like, and I've heard it said, that almost like Gentiles couldn't be saved. But we know Gentiles got saved. Amen. Right? I mean, they did. Amen. Right? Uh, they, we go back to the Old Testament. There are plenty of those that... We're born again. I think. I mean, the first one that comes to mind is Nebuchadnezzar, right? I mean, look at look at the look at the uh, the testimony of Nebuchadnezzar and what he did. Look at the testimony of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar's son Belshazzar came along and essentially said, "You know better because your father taught you. You know better." Yeah. There was a testimony he had there. So, uh, no hope. No hope. Does it mean that Gentiles couldn't get saved? Well, obviously not. What this does mean is, unlike the Jewish company, the Gentile company was never going to produce hope. It was never going to produce the Messiah. It's not coming through the Gentiles. 
How are they without hope? Well, they could live in that system. They could live in that country company. They could produce all of the products they wanted for time and eternity, but it would never produce hope. Why? Hope was only going to come out of Israel. So they were alien to that. They were foreigners to that. They were not a part of that. They were not born into that. The Gentiles could always leave their company and go join the other company. But that company, that Gentile company, was not going to produce hope. Look at this. Without God in the world. See this, verse 12? Without hope, from the covenants, having no hope, and without God into the world. See, the God of this world is not the God of Israel, was not the God of Israel. Now, they don't get me wrong. They started to adopt some of the gods of this world, and it was, it was, it was, uh, it was downhill ever since. But a Gentile living in the world had no hope if they were going to remain a Gentile because God was to be found in Israel. That's where the God of heaven was. So let me give you an illustration. If the company you worked for, or do work for, maybe you work for one now, and they do not offer a matching 401k. Anybody work for a company that doesn't offer, the company does not offer any type of a matching 401k, any type of return? Anybody it's recorded want to shout out what company that is so all the world knows? No, just kidding. Don't, don't do that. No, no, no. I knew <laughs> Now, now say this, say, say you work for a company and, and they don't offer a 401k. They don't offer, um, say, insurance. They, they don't have any insurance. They offer for you a package or anything like that of insurance. But say you found out, hey, the company across town does, right? They have a nice, nice retirement. They match 4% on the 401. That would be huge. Average is like three normally. They, they offer four. I'd, I'd do that, right? They have a great insurance package. Our oldest daughter worked for a bank. She paid like a dollar a week for insurance, and it was incredible insurance. And I thought, that's where all our interest goes. And so, and you find out that this, this, this place across town, they have all of the benefits that you think you need for your future. Okay. If you're going to live healthy for a longer period of time, you realize this as you get aged. It might be good to have good insurance might be good to have some money saved up because I, there is coming a day when I can't work anymore and there is coming a day when I'm going to get sick more than I am well. All right. Anybody want to say they're there? <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you this? No matter how long you work for the company across town that doesn't offer a, an a investment package or an insurance package, I don't care how long you stay there, no matter how long you do, you will never have retirement and you'll never have an insurance package. Why? Because they don't offer that. You see, the Gentiles of this world, the Gentile company could never offer hope. It could never offer salvation. It could never, why? Because the Lord Jesus wasn't coming through there. Watch, the promises of God weren't there. They were in Israel. They're in, in, that, in that Israelite company. Right? So if the Gentile was looking for God and was looking for hope, they couldn't find it right where they were. They, 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 they would have to become an Israelite. They'd have to believe. Did anybody come to your mind who actually did that? How about Ruth? What did she do? What did Ruth do? When she, listen, somehow she got truth from Naomi. Somehow she got truth from Naomi. What did she do? She repented. 
What do you mean she repented? Well, she went from believing about the gods of her Moabite gods to receiving the God of Israel. And she said unto her daughter-in-law, Well, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Where you are buried, I will be buried. Right? This is what she was doing. She repented. And what did she do? She went to the promised land. She went back with her, do- with her mother-in-law, Naomi. She went to Israel. And what happened? Right? Not only was she uh, now a part of the promises, she married Boaz. She's in the lineage. She is now in the lineage of the Messiah. Right? Gentile. Gentile. You know what she realized? In her old Moabite system, no investment plan. No plan for the future. No plan for the future. Actually, it's, a bit, it's been a big lie. All of it. You ever been in a company? Oh, yeah, we got this. We got that. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. You realize it ain't coming. It ain't coming. <laughs> right? You know what? Uh, two companies. Israel. Gentiles. Two products. Revelation of the Word of God. The Messiah. Or the world, the flesh, and the devil. Two purposes. The Messiah or self. Self. Watch this. At the birth of Jesus Christ, (laughs) the Israelite, after the birth of Jesus Christ, the Israelite, even before, the Israelite company's failing. They're failing, right? They produced a product they didn't even believe in. One of the hardest things to be a salesman of a product you don't believe in. <laughs> they didn't even want the product. Right? This was the seed of Abraham. This was the seed of David. Right? The, the, of, the, of the line and the lineage of David. The, the Lord Jesus Christ on his mother's side. Hey, they didn't even want it. They didn't even want it. They're failing. They're a failing company. And did you know to this day they're still trying to produce a product? They're still, they're still looking for the Messiah. They have no way to prove it. They have no lineage, They have no records to prove it. They have no way to, to validate or ver- to verify if they say whoever he is when he's coming, that will be him. They have no way to validate that whatsoever. Right. Watch, they're going to get a product without their stamp on it. Because it won't have their stamp on it. It's going to be the Antichrist. So the company, watch, it's failing. Now the Gentile company was always failing. Right? It never made a profit. Right? It never produced anything of eternal value whatsoever. So what do you do with two failing companies? Well, sometimes you just doze them over. And, right? Look at verse 13. I love this. Remember back in verse 4, we looked at our past. Right? We looked at our past and where we were. And we, we came into verse 4 and we love it. It said, but God. Amen. We like that. We were, we, were in, uh, we, we were in times past, uh, lived according to the lust of our flesh, and lived according to the desires of our flesh and of our mind, were of nature the children of wrath. But God, who is rich in mercy, we like that, absolutely. But look in verse 13, but now. We have two failing companies, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Jesus, uh, uh, the blood of Christ. You see this, but now we're seeing what we're coming into here now that is being presented is a new company, a new company in Jesus Christ. Look at those who were far off. Who was far off? Jews. 
according, according to this, well, Gentiles. Why were they so far off? Well, they weren't of the lineage of, of Abraham, right? They weren't a part of the, the, the promises and the covenants and all of these things. They were far off. He says, but, but, but now, but now you're made nigh. Wait, those who are far off are now, you're, you're now a part of it. How did this happen? Made nigh. Made nigh. How did somebody who is a non-Jew become, quote, in a place where a, a Jew once was? I don't know if I worded that correctly. I have to think about that. Let me say this. Let me, let me illustrate it. Jesus was the seed of David. Right? A Jew. Can we agree that Jesus was a Jew? Amen. Right? He wasn't black. He wasn't white. He wasn't Asian. He wasn't, you know, his own thing. He was a Jew. He was a Jew. He fulfilled all of the law. Would we agree with that? Amen? Amen? He fulfilled all the law. He said, I didn't come in the law. I came to fulfill it. He did it. He did it. He was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world, right? Amen. He took upon himself sin. Sin. He took it upon himself. When, when he came down to be baptized, we know what the testimony of John the Baptist. Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. We know that he was slain from the foundation of the world. He agreed to go before it was ever put into place. He said, I'll be the one. And he took upon himself sin. He said in the garden, remember, Three times, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Let this cup pass from me. Father, if it be possible, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. You realize Jesus knew the very moment that he allowed the sin of all mankind to be placed upon him, the wrath of the Father would have to fall on him. I said it a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago. If Jesus became sin and the wrath of the Father didn't fall on him, then God would become unjust. It had to fall. Jesus knew this. And he said, not my will, but thine be done. See, listen, Gentiles. If you are in Christ, ooh, you're really almost closer to being an Israelite than a Jew has rejected Christ. Now, don't go too far with this because I'm going to... I'm going to define this here in a little bit. Notice how we get there. By the blood of Christ. How do we get, how, how, uh, those of us who are nigh, how do we get close? Those of us who are far off, how do we get to that place of being made nigh? Well, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Not by birth. Amen? Because we could have never made it. Never made it. Not by church membership. Right? Because membership doesn't buy anything. Church membership hasn't purchased anything. Not by baptism, because it's not the washing away of sins, but of a good conscience towards God. Baptism doesn't save. Not by the sacraments. You know why that's so many of the Catholics get so upset when, when somebody comes out like that priest did to Nancy Pelosi and rejected that she he would not give her communion and she had to go to, to the Vatican and get it from the Pope because essentially what he is saying is you are excommunicated, you are not saved. This is how powerful the, 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 the sacraments are to the Catholics. Uh, sadly, they're all wrong on either end of the thing. At least one had the guts to acknowledge that she was wicked. But, uh, but anyway. Yeah. It's not through sacraments. It's not through that. 
It's not because you saw a vision. It's not because you saw a miracle. It's not because you saw some flash of light. It's not because you woke up someday and started blabbering in tongues. It's not because you got baptized in the Holy Ghost, however that is. It's not, listen, I've heard it all. I've heard them all say, I heard a man who attends, oh, should I say it, who attends a very, 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 very large church on 65 Highway at his door. I said, hey, when did you become a Christian? He, an assistant pastor said, oh, I guess I was, I've always been, I was born in a Christian home. You're lost and on your way to hell. That's sad. No, it's none of those things. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ that we're made nigh unto him. Why? Well, because blood washes away sin. Blood is the only agent that washes away sin. Water doesn't wash away sin. Blood washes away sin. Membership doesn't wash away sin. Blood washes away sin. You understand it today. The, it, it, the blood washes away all sin. It's available to us. It's available to you if you're not saved here today. What do you do? You believe Jesus. You believe Him. You ask for it. And if you put your faith and trust in Him and believe Him, listen, and repent... The blood would clear your record as well and give you the record of Jesus. It's a wonderful thing. Whosoever will may come. Yeah. It's the blood of Christ. That's how you get into this new company. Right? It's not that you're born in it. It's not that you work your way into it. It's that if you're going to get into this company that Jesus is building, you're going to come by blood. You're going to come by belief. And you're going to come by blood. Verse 14, look at the fringe benefits with this package, with this company. <laughs> Verse 14, look at this. For he is our peace. Isn't the peace of God wonderful? Amen. Isn't it wonderful to go to bed at night and lay your head down, at bed, head, head down on your pillow at night and just go to sleep? Yeah. I love how the Bible says God gives good gifts and no sorrow with it. We can go to bed at night. Listen, oh no, listen, sometimes believers, Christians go to bed and they don't, go, they don't have the peace that's there for them because of sin, but it's there. It's always there. I'm thankful for the peace of God. I'm thankful that we're at peace with God. I'm telling you, you come to faith in Jesus Christ and that, that, that enmity that was going on there between you and God goes away. It's like peace. Just like the white flag went up and, oh, finally, peace. I love it. This is what comes in this one, peace. Peace of God and peace with God. What did he do? He made two companies one. He took people out of this one and people out of that one. And if they came to him by blood, he made his own company. Yeah. Look at this. And hath broken down, I'm sorry, for he is our peace, who hath made both one, who are both Gentiles and Israel, two different companies, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. What was that middle wall? Well, there is. If you if you could see the the, the picture of the of the tabernacle, you have the holy of holies, and outside of that, you have the that that outside of the holy of holies, the 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 holy place, and then outside of that, you have the area for the priests and the and, and the men, and then outside of that. Outside of the, you have the court of the women where the women were. And then outside of the temple proper, there'd be a wall built around. And then you'd have the court of the Gentiles. They're on the very outskirts. And there was a wall put up between them. What is Paul saying here? That those that come to Christ, whether Jew or Gentile, that wall that was once there, you Gentiles, if you came to the temple, you'd be on that very outer court and there'd be a wall there and you couldn't get past it. He took that wall out. 
He took it out. Yeah. Why? What, what was he doing? Well, we all come the same way, friend. You know why those Gentiles are on the outside? Because they didn't come by birth. The Jews are on the inside. They came through the lineage of Abraham. Jesus said, you come from me and there's no wall at all. Why? Because Jew or Gentile come the same way by faith and belief in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. No more enmity. Look at verse 15. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man. So making peace. No more enmity. Do you know when two rivals in business come together and make one new business, the rivalry is gone? Kind of simple. Makes sense, doesn't it? There is a rivalry out there. Cabela's, Bass Pro. It's weird how that's gone. Right, kind of you know, odd hearing commercials on the radio. Uh, Bass Pro Cabela's. It's like, oh, they've been made one. They've come together. <laughs> now there's peace. Now the enmity's gone, and one guy is even richer. <laughs> uh, yeah. They came together. They're on the same page now. They have the same goal. Now, they come together. Watch. When Jew and Gentile come together, they're on the same page now. When Jew or Gentile come through the blood of Jesus Christ, we're at the same goal now. We're in the same church now. We're, we have the same, we're, 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 we're producing the same thing now. We're on the same page. There's a prison down in Mississippi, I believe it is, Angola. It used to be one of the worst prisons in the United States. They got a new warden several years ago. That warden came in and absolutely cleaned house. One of the first things he did was he brought in the preachers. He brought in the preachers. You, you need to go online sometime and watch some of, the, some of the documentaries on the prison in Angola. It was the bloodiest prison in the United States. And today, those in death row, right, those on death row, many of those men who come to Christ in that prison, they all live in one large barracks and bunk beds all together. And he said, they say there's not a problem in the world. Amen. Why? They were all on the same page now. Yeah. Amen. There's five churches on that campus. There are five churches. There is no cussing, no cursing allowed. There's, I mean, the list of rules for the wardens and all the people that, that work on those grounds is, is uh, pretty, pretty neat to, to watch. The church is outside when a man gets saved. There is a Baptist church that is on the outside there that they come in that prison all the time and they're doing discipleship and they're even baptizing some of the ones that aren't lifers. They're baptizing them into their church and when they get out of church, they're already a part of a body. They were just in, in the, behind a wall. Now they're outside of a wall when they get out. And I'm telling you, it changed the entire place. Why? It made those that would have been at enmity with each other. And now there's peace and they can live together. Who does that? Only Jesus can do that. Amen. Islam never did that. Hello? Amen. Hasn't done it yet? Well, we'll never do it. It can't do it. You look at it. They have the same goal. When Jesus shed his atoning blood at that crucifixion, he rose from the dead three days and three nights later. Everything God has to offer, watch this, it's now in Jesus Christ. The pardon for sin, eternal life, adoption, purpose, it's all in him.
It's all in Him. Jew or Gentile, it's all in Him. So, when Jew or Gentile come to faith in Jesus Christ, He makes two different things one new thing. Did you notice this? Look at this. Verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man. One new man. Watch this. He's not revamping the old. He's not making the vehicle Israel better. Right? He's not making a completed Jew. He's not making a Jewish Gentile. He's, he's not modifying the old car to make it work better for this time. He's not making a short bus, the long bus, so it can hold more people. Right? See what I mean? He's making something totally, completely new. He's taking two different companies, essentially dissolving them and bringing into one new company. Are there holdovers and purpose and plan? Yes, don't, don't, don't take metaphors too far, okay? Verse 16, one body. Both are reconciled, Jew and Gentile. One body. You see that? Verse 16, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. One body. One body. What is that body? You can just look up ahead or back, um, back behind here in chapter 1. The last two verses of chapter 1. And hath put all things under his feet, and gave, speaking of Jesus, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Over in Colossians it says he's the head of the church, the body. So what is he made here? Right? One body. One body. Not the Jewish system, not the Gentile system, but the church. The mystery of the Old Testament realized in the new. Jesus built, started, and is building his church. Look at verse 17. And came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. The Jew and Gentile, but they both got the same preaching. Can I tell you, it's the same message. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Listen, this company that Jesus is building, it has got one message for the entire world, and it's not different for the Muslims, it's not different for the Buddhists, it's not different for Islam, it's not different for the Jews. It's the same one. Look unto Jesus and live. That's the same message. He preached to both. Look, there's access for both. For through him... We both have access by one spirit, one spirit unto the Father. We have access. We have access. We are no more strangers. Look at that, verse 19. We are fellow citizens. We're the, we are all citizens of the same nation now, the same family. We are saints, fellow citizens. We're saints and of the household of God. We're fellow citizens. Look at verse 20. There's one foundation. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. You see this. Jesus is building something. There's one foundation. The apostles and the prophets. There's one cornerstone. Jesus Christ. It's got to go to show you here. Listen. A foundation gets built on 
right? Do you, listen, do you ever add to a foundation once it's laid? Unless there's a problem with it, and I'll tell you, there's no problem with this foundation. Amen. What is, can I tell you something? There are no apostles and prophets today Amen. in the sense of the New Testament apostle and prophet. Well, there are the prophets, the foretellers, but the apostles speaking of here? Yeah. Those that run around thinking they have the, the gift of an apostle, they run around uh, thinking they have the authority to lay hands on and do miracles and all of these things, that's funny. It's a foundational item. You ever see a foundation on a roof? That'd be weird. Wouldn't, I mean, if it's concrete, it'd probably become a foundation eventually and you build on that. Yeah. The foundation of the apostles and prophets. There's one foundation. Watch. There's one cornerstone, Jesus Christ. In those old stone buildings, you'd set that cornerstone, you'd get it plumb, you'd get it level, you'd get it square, north, south, east, west, you'd get that thing set, and everything gets built off that cornerstone. If the corner's off, the rest of it's off. But can I tell you something? Our cornerstone is not off. It is plumb, it is true, it is level, it is exactly square, and everything built on it, on it, will be true. Yeah. One foundation. One building, one cornerstone, one message, one purpose, one goal. What would you, what would you name this business? How about the Church of Jesus Christ? How about that? The Church at. Here's some Bible names. The Church at. The Church of. The Church in. All had the same identifying marks as the church that Jesus built. One building. Verse 21. Fitly framed together. Brother Doug back there was just talking about how bad their house was built. This rental house they're in. Ruth was telling me how bad the house was built over there in the town she lives in. We won't make public. (laughs) To the west. About five miles. (laughs) Can I tell you something? God doesn't build a bad house. Can I tell you something? Listen, fitly framed together, it's just right. It doesn't need fixed. It doesn't need to be made level. It doesn't need to be altered. It doesn't need to be added to. It doesn't need to be changed. Right? Fitly framed together. Look at this, verse 21. A holy temple in the Lord. And then look at verse 22 in whom ye also are builded together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit. You know how you become a member of Crimson Avenue Baptist Church? Well, you've got to be born again of the Spirit of God, friend. Yeah. You've got to be scripturally baptized. If you don't have scriptural baptism, we'll baptize you. And then you're added to the body. Yeah. Through the habitation of God. Through the Spirit. Listen, if you don't have the indwelling Holy Spirit of God, you're not a habitation. You're not a dwelling place. Watch, if you don't have the indwelling Spirit of God, He can't fitly frame you together into a body, into a church. All who come to faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, they're indwelt by the Spirit of God. They're added to a new business, not an old, revamped one. This is a new one whose cornerstone is also the builder. I like that. 
And after setting himself as the chief cornerstone, Jesus started the foundation with the apostles and prophets, then began adding all of those who came to the Father through him, Jew or Gentile, man or woman, boy or girl. This is what Jesus started. This is what he's building today, a church. The metaphors of the church, a body, a building. Later we'll see it, a bride. The three metaphors that Jesus used for his church. A body, a building, and a bride. All local, all visible. All have a purpose. So this is really huge. I mean, this, to me, this really destroys Reformed theology. We're not a part of Israel when we get saved, friend. We have, we have not been made a part of an old car that's put in the garage that will be brought out at another time. We saw that in Romans, right? It'll be brought out at another time for another purpose. But listen, it's set aside. We have not been, we're not added to, to, to Israel. Jesus, the church, is not Israel. And Israel is not the church. It is a separate thing. That company had its mission and missed its mission, right? Ultimately, at the, after the Messiah was born, and he has his own business. The word of God is complete. The Messiah has come. We're not looking for the Messiah anymore. He's come. And now we're part of this new company, this new church. Has a different mission. We're not producing the Messiah. We're proclaiming the Messiah. We're not producing the Messiah. That was Israel's job. We're pointing people to the Messiah. Who's who's doing the pointing? Jews? Gentiles? (laughs) Amen. Whosoever will may come. Let me, let me just end by saying this. The church of Jesus Christ is important. It's important. He purchased it. The Bible said he purchased it with his own blood. It has a mission. It has a mission. You know, we look at back at Israel, and we, we see how Israel missed what they were to do ultimately. Hold on, follow this, please. We look at Israel's failures, and we go, oh, how terrible. How terrible. Right. God, God called them out. God used them. They were the vehicle right, for God. And they just, they just missed it. They rejected it. They didn't want it. And we kind of think that's a bad deal. But what about people who minimize this new business? Oh, no, they're part of it. They're in it. They're hired on. Quote, hired on. You're not hired on, but you know what I mean. They got all the fringe benefit packages. They, got the, they, have, a, they, they, have, a, they have a retirement plan out of this world, right? <laughs> Literally. But they're just like, uh-huh. Oh-hum. I'll come when I want to. I'll be involved when I want to. I'll do what I want to and what I don't want to. If it's convenient, if it's not out of the way, if the moon's not in a line with, you know, Mercury, then maybe I can come. If hey, listen, I heard there might be rain Thursday, so I don't know. We might not be here Sunday. 
No, it's out. No, those things are out there. They're out there. They're out there. I don't know. I just get overwhelmed with the fact that the church that Jesus built is pretty important. The world has minimized it. Religion has minimized it. Certain theologies have minimized, have minimized the church. One of the greatest damages, I think, done to, to the, the place and the position of the church is a universal, a universal, uh, the belief in a universal invisible body. Right? It minimizes the visible body that Jesus died for. Right? They begin to think, well, you know, I'm still a part of the church. So what is the church? Well, you know, everybody who's saved uh, is a part of the church. Well, where does that church meet? It's a church assembly, right? So where does that assemble? Right. Have you ever noticed these people that believe in a universal church do not believe in universal, invisible tithes and offerings? They all like visible tithes and offerings, friend. Yeah. What am I saying this for? It's, a, it's an important thing. The church of God is important. It's important. We don't need to minimize it. There's still a lot to be accomplished. As I said in Sunday school this morning, Jesus left us with these words, uh, to occupy till I come. We still have a mission. We still have a purpose. We still have a goal. And I think in, 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 in I'm going to say in America, I don't know about other parts of the world. I'm just going to say in our own country and in our own backyard, it seems to be that too many believers have become derelict in their duties if they are a part of a, of a, of a Bible-believing Baptist church a church that Jesus started, they, they've become derelict in their duties there, and, and, and they've become like they've treated it like it's, a, like, like, like it's a concert or a spectator sport. Right? They've just come to watch the show. Well, we don't have a really good show, friend. <laughs> right? I, we have, those are pretty good lights. Those are T8s, fluorescent. They're not bad. They don't, sh- you know, they don't do any vibrations. Yeah. When they're about to go out, they do. That'd be, that's kind of neat. We'd have the great productions up here. I haven't brought in any, like, sheep or goats. I'm like, that'd be cool, right? I'm not, we don't have, you know, 800 people in a choir. It's, it'd be wonderful. I'm, nothing wrong with that. But I'm saying some people, listen, to some people, if the show's not there, they're not there. I praise the Lord for people that come to this church. Yeah, absolutely. I believe the the vast 99% of people that come to this church, they just want the Word of God. Yeah. They love the Lord. And they understand the, the gravity and the, and, the, and the seriousness of the issue and the matters at hand in the church. They just want to be where God wants them to be. Yeah. It's a joy, isn't it? It's a joy. Let's not fall into the trap of minimizing the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's His building. It's His body. It's His bride. It's His bride. Yeah. So it leaves me with a question this morning. We're done. Good, good time of introspect, maybe. How seriously do you Take the church. If you're a member of Calvary Baptist Church or Crimson Avenue Baptist Church, whichever one, (laughs) 
Yeah. That was my past life. I pastored two churches. <laughs> How seriously do you take the church? Watch. The Bible says that God places in the body whom he wills. How seriously do you take the body that God has placed you in? Every question. It's a good thing to come to a place like this and say, Lord, search me, O Lord, and know me. Try my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. How seriously do we take? Listen, you know what? I don't want to be counted among the number of those where society is going today that minimizes what goes on in God's church. It's a very important business. It really is. And may God help us to keep the focus where His focus is on the body. Father, we thank You for the church. We thank You, God, that we can be a member of this body. It's a living organism. It's not just a, 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 just a, a business as I portrayed it to be, but it's a living, it's a living body. The Holy Spirit indwells those that, that, that are, uh, that are uh, believers and are a part of this body. You intended to grow. You intended to mature. You intended to be effective to the world. And Lord, it will never, this church, Crimson Avenue Baptist Church, will never, will never have the place that you wanted to have in the community that you have placed us if we don't get a right view of, this, of your church and what it is. I'm thankful, Father, that whosoever will may come. I'm thankful that you didn't start over and revamp an old plan, that you started with a new one, and it's open to anybody. Now, Father, if there's somebody here that's never been born again, we pray today your Holy Spirit would draw them. And, Lord, that they would see that they're a sinner and they'd see that they have a need for a Savior and they would understand that you alone are the only way. Would you do that work today? that they would come. We pray you do work in your people. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As the instrument plays, would you stand please? However the Lord has spoken to you, how seriously do you take the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? How seriously do you take the body that you are a member of? It could be that today that you're so many in here are so faithful, very, very, very faithful, always here, always a part, always, uh, always involved in the ministry, whether it's just in prayer or, or actual um, in person and activity. And uh, Lord, it could, you know, it could be, it could be that there might be one little area that has been allowed to, to seep in I wouldn't even know what to call it or how to define it or to name it or anything else. But there could be something. We know how Satan works. could be a, a, a mindset. It could be a, a, a disagreement. It could be anything that has been allowed to seep in. That the Holy Spirit may be pointing his finger at and say, you know, that right there, that's not a really good view. 
Would you go to the Lord with that? Whatever he's, however he's dealing with you today. be dismissed in a word of prayer this morning. Good to see everybody out. And uh, we'll see you tonight, 6 o'clock. And Lord willing, we'll be back. I think we're going to be back in the book of Matthew. We'll see how that and how that pans out. <laughs> so, uh, Brother Jack, would you close us in a word of prayer today?